0: Like are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kinda like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary, DW, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
0: Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
1: You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. We're almost back to actual real football. So all the people who have been complaining about not having real football will have real football. And that leads into, and Adam will admit right off the bat, when he gets started on his rant, it's completely illogical, but nevertheless, Adam The floor is yours.
0: Thank you, Ian. I uh, have this idea kicking around in my head. And like Ian said, it doesn't make any sense. But this is where I'm at as a fan. So uh, I I have this thought in my brain that I can't get rid of that somehow the Denver Broncos are going to be better in 2019 than they were in 2018. Not that that's a stretch, but that's going to set them up to be worse Moving forward, and and I like I said, I, I know it doesn't make sense, and I know that it's confusing, and how do how do you get there? But but think of just just go with me on this for a second, uh, and I'll give you a position. We'll start with an easy one. Garrett Bowles, is there a way in your brain that you can see Garrett Bowles being marginally better in 2019 than he was in 2018, and then sort of. The Broncos buying into that and then him falling off and being terrible and going back to being Garrett holds in 2020 that, that kicks around in my head or quarterback wise. You have Joe Flacco and Drew Locke. There's several ways you can go with that. Joe Flacco could play out of his mind in 2019. The Broncos go 10 and six and they win the AFC wild card. I'm not going to give them the AFC West because I, even I can't uh, go that far here. And then in, 2020, they go all in on Joe Flacco and they give him a big contract, uh, and then then he becomes you know Joe Flacco who is actually terrible, and, and they're stuck with bad Joe Flacco and a Drew Lock that let's face it nobody knows what he's going to be. I, I am fully aware that as I sit here and talk about this, there isn't an answer that makes sense. But for some reason in my brain, I have this weird idea that Denver's going to go. 10 and 6, maybe 9 and 7. They're going to win the AFC wild card. They're going to maybe even win a playoff game, which would be really cool, right? A pl- road playoff game as the wild card. And then they're going to come back in 2020 and instead of being set up for future success, they're somehow going to be set up for this weird mediocrity that they can't get out of. And this this is sort of the point that keeps kicking around in my head. The the fact that You could be so bad for so long and then eventually be good. That sort of seems normal or natural to me. Look at the Cleveland Browns right now. They have been perennial awful for years and years. And eventually, just through sheer luck, you knew they were going to start to hit on some picks. And then Baker Mayfield, and they look like they're going to be good, and they've got Odell Beckham Jr. now. And that's a franchise that seems to have been turning things around. But they were bottom feeders for years and then you can look at, like, the Denver Broncos right now. Now, in all truth, the Denver Broncos, to me, are a middle-class team. They are stuck in the middle class, though, and they, they are not, as constituted today, an elite team. That doesn't mean they're not an elite franchise, and I want to put that caveat there. I do believe the Denver Broncos, that is an elite franchise. But for whatever reason, if you get stuck in the middle— with the way that parody works in the NFL, it's easy to be mired in the middle for years and years and years and not be able to get out of it. And I am illogically terrified that the Denver Broncos have constituted a team that, and I don't even know if that's the right way to say that, have put together a team, let's say it that way, that is going to be a middling sort of 8-8 and to 10-6. and Sometimes they're in the playoffs, but they're never really challenging for a Super Bowl. And that's the future in front of them. And so somehow being good in 2019 hurts them moving forward. And, And I think in my brain, I may have just worked this out. Here's where my fear is. And you might know where I'm going with this just because of the way it dinged in my head just now. It's about the quarterback, and I am terrified because I really want Trevor Lawrence to be the Denver Broncos quarterback in the future, and I I just don't see how they can make that happen if they're any good over the next few years. It's almost like, you know, and rest in peace to Orange and Blue 760 here, but uh, uh, Andrew Mason asked a would-you-rather question about quarterbacks when I was listening one day while I was on vacation in Colorado. It was neat to listen live, and uh, it was about would-you-rather uh, be uh, you know have a guaranteed franchise quarterback for the next ten years, but uh, you have to watch the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers all win Super Bowls in back to back to back years, so three years in a row. Or would you rather not get that franchise quarterback, but guarantee those three teams never win, but the Broncos don't win either in those three or four year span? And it's a tough one, and it just sort of goes to show how important the quarterback position is. And I know that at this point now we've walked in a circle that isn't actually a circle, and we're not even back to where we started, and I'm still a terrified fan that has no idea what to expect in 2019 or 2020 or 2021 or 2022,
1: and I just want to know the ending. I think you just wanted to end with the Broncos getting Trevor Lawrence. That, yes, which is not going to happen it is. because he's going to end up with the New England Patriots. Don't, why
0: would you say that? Don't put that in the ether. Don't don't put that out there. You put it in the air and then it and then it falls down and it becomes true and I, and people are going to be mad at you for that.
1: I'm just trying to get people ready because that's how it's going to play out. <laughs> Look, prepare yourself for the worst so that you're not so disappointed. The one thing that I like about the 2019 aspect of it. Is even if the Broncos are a wild card team, which would mean that they would have to go on the road if they were able to get one of the two of them, the Broncos have the quarterback with the most postseason road wins in NFL history under center. That's Joe not- Flacco has seven career road playoff wins, the most in NFL history. Wow. Right? Just and- wow. Rocco's country needs no reminder of what he was able to do in a January playoff game. That's true. All right. Well, I'm going to breathe a little.
0: I'm I'm bringing it back down. I'm going to find myself in reality here a little bit um, so so that I don't get too worked up. But that was – that's just – Thank you. You've 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 talked me down and you've you've terrified me all at the same time. My schizophrenic paranoia is is not assuaged in any way, but that's fine. We'll move on because
1: <laughs> I can do, do this for days. Reverse back, I want to traverse back to one other thing you mentioned. That Garrett Bowles scenario is absolutely positively possible. Where Absolutely. he is just a he's just a little bit better. He holds on just a little bit longer because you know Mike Munchak is going to hold him accountable. Yes, and he might be. He might be able to hold on to that spot for one more season. And like he could just grasp it the the Broncos, for that much longer. The Broncos might hold on to him a little bit longer. Like like too much holding.
0: There's too much holding going on. I see where you're going with this. very nicely done. I I appreciate the sort of the what would you call that? The subtleness of your um you you held on to that joke as long as you could. That's let's just say I, it that I, way. I did. <laughs> I, I plopped
1: it out there and expected oh, it to perform. There it is. It, it performed performed quite well. But that is a legitimate fear. I think and you're right. I think that's one of the biggest question marks going in to training camp is how much better can he get? Will he get better? Is he going to be able to take advantage of the lessons from Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper? Is he going to be benefited by playing next to a guy who is a legitimate stud, even as a rookie in Dalton Reisner?
0: Yeah, I think I think that that's one of the, the things that that we definitely need to pay attention to. And it sort of takes us into actual football, and we can start talking a little bit about Training camp, because training camp is right around the corner, um, and, the, and the Broncos actually get, do you do you call it extra training camp, or do you, like what, I'm not really sure how you quantify it, but because they're in the Hall of Fame game, don't they get like extra, or they get to start earlier, or something like that, so they, they get a few extra practices or whatever, and so here we are, we're at training camp, and what do we talk about when we get to training camp? Practice. Practice. We're talking about practice.
1: Alan? Whether or not they actually had a good practice.
0: Is, is Alan here? Oh, no, we, we don't talk about that. They don't have good practices, right? Isn't that – that got thrown away? Because Vic Fangio is probably one of those people who's never seen a good practice in his entire life, and so he probably won't be saying we had a good practice.
1: Which is fascinating because all last year, that's what we wanted. We wanted a head coach who had the Bill Belichick approach to practice where he's never seen a good one because if you've seen a good practice you're not doing something right. Yeah. So I or at least if you if you have to say it, so that is going to be a breath of fresh air. And the reason that they're able to start early is because of the Hall of Fame game. So they just they get to start training camp earlier about by about a week than they normally would because of the Hall of Fame game against the Falcons. So that that'll be of benefit. They'll get more practice time to get to know Fangio's system on defense, and then get even more, I guess, comfort with Rich Scangarello's offense to get their timing down, and they'll be able to put shells on, they'll be able to put pads on. So it'll be another step toward the regular season opener against the Raiders.
0: So we're going to talk about some football. And, And because it's training camp and because you've got new faces and old faces and people moving around and things like that, um the the fun thing we get to do is, is look at training camp battles. Uh obviously every year you've got uh situations where you have new guys coming in or just uh, you know, young guys and, and veterans who are gonna be, you know, battling it out for positions on the team, for spots on the team, starting lineup, those kinds of things. And so um there, there are several areas where you're you're probably gonna wanna focus and like like Ian said, I'm gonna be watching and listening from afar. And Ian, I don't know how many times you're gonna be able to get out there, but I'm sure you'll uh, have some reports from the actual field. Uh, but but there are some battles there. Is there one that sticks out to you?
1: Before I get into the training camp battle that I'm most excited to see, even better is the training camp battle that we won't see, which is at quarterback. So thank you, eight pound, five ounce baby Jesus, that we will not have a quarterback battle, at least for the starter. Right,
0: because it, it, it is going to be a battle for the backup, which I, can't they just say Drew locks the backup and, and move on? They could do that. They could just say the starter is Joe, the backup is Drew, and everybody else is just here to be
1: here. I think the the rationale behind it, while it's it would be an easy decision to make, I I can see where they're coming from and not doing that, so they don't put any pressure on Drew Locke to where he has to be ready. He has to be at a certain level in case Joe Flacco gets hurt. So it completely takes the pressure off of him for his rookie year where he can just sit, observe, watch, practice, get in the room, learn how the NFL works. So in that sense, it makes sense. What doesn't make sense is – the continual we have to root for the underdog nonsense that has already started with some in the mile high report community going for Brett Ripon. Yeah, let's let's stop with that. Let's can we like you said before
0: we started recording, there are people out there calling him the next Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon was not a good quarterback. Did I enunciate that clearly for you? He wasn't. So we don't want another Trevor Simeon, because that didn't work. I feel like I said that slow enough and with enough, like people should understand what I said there.
1: What will be interesting with that, though, before I get into my training camp battle, is what they do at quarterback. Because they're obviously going to keep three quarterbacks unless Hogan just comes out and completely craps down his leg like craig morton and super bowl 12. Ooh bringing that back okay but they will realistically they will probably keep three quarterbacks so what do they do with brett ripon do they put him on the practice squad i i mean sure
0: does it matter i i really like i i cannot and i know there are you know you have your your you know I don't know, what do you want to call them, roster fans or whatever, people who pay attention to that stuff and they go, well, you got this guy. This is a guy who's never going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, because if he was going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, he would have been drafted much higher. He would have been touted as a potential starter. I I think he's talented. He he probably could end up as a backup somewhere. Maybe it's even in Denver, but I I mean – Does it, seriously, like at a certain point, you have people out there who were paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to figure this stuff out, and they looked at this kid and said, yeah, I don't think so. And I'm supposed to second guess that as a fan because I want the underdog to win. I don't care about underdogs. I want the best players to play for the Denver Broncos, and I want the Denver Broncos to win Super Bowls. I don't need an underdog quarterback. I don't care about that. I want the best. That's what we should all want. We should stop cheering for the Bradley Van Peltz of the world. Zach Dyserts. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Just just knock it off. Just knock it off. All right. We had a little mini rant there. That was fun. Uh, that's your second one. Do I get to in a show? What's the, what's the rule on rants? So we... Like you gotta scale them back or just run with them. You can't
1: double and triple stamp, so okay. you can't you can't do a you can't do a third one. All right, so I, I'll try and avoid that. I think there's two training camp battles that I'm looking forward to the most, and I, I think they're the most wide open, which is safety, and tight end. Now I we do know who the two starters will be at safety. It's going to be Justin Simmons and Will Parks. What they do with Kareem Jackson is going to be very interesting. Will they put him at cornerback or will they put him at safety or will he just be Kareem Jackson where he doesn't have a position?
0: Like they just they have like KJ in the in the the lineup or whatever, and so then he goes out and he just plays
1: position KJ. I think there because there there's a lot of potential. Yeah with with who they can have at safety behind those, at least the starters. You have Jamal Carter, you have Sua Cravens, you have any number of guys who could step up and be that third or fourth safety and they have more players than they do spots.
0: So I, I guess let me let me ask you this, and this might take us over to a, a different conversation so we we could probably table it a little bit. But but just to put the thought in your head, you and I both, when the Broncos acquired Sue Cravens, we're, we're happy to see that. We thought that was a good trade. We thought that was a good move. He has not panned out uh, due to injury. Maybe scheme was a problem as well, perhaps fit. Is he a safety, or do the Broncos need to move him to inside linebacker, and maybe his Maybe his battle is a battle we talk about later because we're not talking about inside linebackers right now. But it, is he maybe a better fit at inside linebacker as someone who maybe could cover tight ends, not necessarily as an inside linebacker that's going to be a run stuffer, but, but an inside linebacker that's going to be able to cover the tight end or the fullback out in the flat, that kind of thing. Is that is that maybe a better fit for him than trying to, to lump him in with what I would say
1: is a, a fairly solid group of safeties? I think Sua Cravens fits into the Kareem Jackson mold, where he's a hybrid, where he can he can play middle linebacker, but he can also play safety. And I do think that he can be a run stuffer because he's that good of an athlete and that good of a tackler. I think what will help Sua Cravens is being in this system. I don't think playing in Joe Woods and Vic Van G- or uh, Vance Joseph's system helped him at all. I think playing with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel will help him. So he's going to be somebody to keep an eye on over the course of of training camp and preseason. Because just like Kareem Jackson, as I said, he offers you a hybrid and flexibility on the defense, which is something that Vic Fangio loves. He loves players who don't fit into a mold. Or hit, depending on the course of the game or what he has planned, he can put those guys in situations where they can succeed and also help the defense. Because that's what, that's what Fangio does. He puts players in a situation to succeed, but also it's based on the plan that's going to best help the defense slow down the offense.
0: Right, so that actually that, that makes Sua Cravens maybe not as far as a as a, a battle goes, but just as an individual player, an interesting player to watch. And there's a few guys like that. What are they going to do with him? So it's almost not even a uh, training camp battle so much as it is uh, an opportunity to just kind of see what the Broncos' plans are for players like that who, like you said, don't fit a mold. Right? They're not. He's not a pure strong or, or free safety. He's more of a, a hybrid guy, like you said. I like that. So so instead of watching his battle so much as it's, let's see what Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel choose to do with these players, I think that's kind of an interesting way to go. And I, I like where they are at safety. I, I liked where Will Parks ended his season last year. I thought he looked like he was very much improved. I think Justin Simmons had a down year in 2018 uh, but I, I think he's a solid player who can be uh, a very good starting safety for the Broncos. I, I like where they're at w- with safety, and then like you said, you got Jamal Carter, you've got a Kareem Jackson, you've got a Sua Cravens, you've got guys in the mix who can make this team better and make that safety position kind of a you know a solid
1: position for the Broncos. I think Sua Cravens is in a position battle. He's going to have to earn his reps. Oh, absolutely. He, it's not going to be given to him. So if, they, if there's guys below him that that start flashing and, and, and showing what they can do, he's going to have to step up and match it or do even better. And then the other one is tight end. I, I'm i looking forward to seeing what Noah Fant can do because Iowa has produced some very, very good tight ends over the last couple of years and Noah Fant has the potential to be that in this offense. Just look to what Rich Scangarello and Kyle Shanahan did with George Kittle in San Francisco in 2018, and look at what Kittle did against the Broncos' defense. Yeah, that you don't have to go too far, right? You can just sort of just pull up the tape from
0: last season. That didn't feel good at all, did it? Uh, that's an interesting one because – the tight end has been a difficult situation for the Broncos over the last few years. You got your Jeff Hireman's and your Jake Butts and your uh, what's what's the other guy? I'm trying to think of the uh, Matt Lacoste and uh, well, Matt Lacoste is gone. Right, Troy but Fumagalli. you I'm, and and Troy Furmagali who I was getting to, but I'm just kind of going through the names of all these players that have come in and there's this guy's going to do this and this guy's going to do that and we're gonna nothing has come to fruition with any of these tight ends and. You know how much Joe Flacco loves the tight end, right? Any Anytime uh, somebody goes and plays tight end for a Joe Flacco-led football team, they're going to do well. So you need good tight ends. I think that it's interesting because Noah Fant was the first-round pick of the Denver Broncos. There's like it's, he He's the guy, in my opinion. I always say this. When you draft a guy in the first round, you're drafting the guy who you want to be a starter immediately on your football team. Your first round pick should start. That's that's how I feel about that, which is was part of the problem with Paxton Lynch a few years back, and as it was always an issue, you know, Garrett Bowles was their first round pick. He was a starter. <laughs> Whether we liked it or not. I think that has to be the way with Noah Fant. He was your first round pick for a reason. And it wasn't so he could sit on the sidelines. He's not there to learn. He's there to play. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but that's what I think should happen. And I know, oh, you got to earn it. I can hear people now. I can see it in the comments. You got to earn it. That's always the issue. You got to show on the field. I agree, but you have to give a guy who you pick first the opportunity to show it on the field.
1: And if you don't do that for Noah Fant, you're doing him a disservice. What will be interesting with the tight end is how many they keep and who they keep. Because you would assume that, obviously, Noah Fan is a lock to make the roster. You would think that Jeff Hyreman is, given that he just got a contract extension. Yes, he did. So that would come down to a third tight end. I cannot see in any way, shape, or form the Broncos keep four tight ends and Andy Janovich. It'll be three tight ends and Andy Janovich. So who is going to be the third tight end? Is it going to be Troy Fumagalli, or is it going to be Jake Butt? Well, big,
0: that's a big 10 battle right there, right? That's a Wisconsin versus Michigan style battle. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think that's a fun one to watch, but you're right. You're <laughs> Noah Fant is, is your starter in my opinion, because he was a first round pick. Now he and you know he and Jeff Hireman can kind of split. There's a lot of big 10 tight ends on this team. Am I right about that? <laughs> like as I'm talking, about, I'm like, that's Ohio state. It's Iowa. A lot of, a lot of big 10 guys. Um, so it'll be fun to watch, but I think we kind of know sort of who's going to be starting and who's, who's going to be on the team. It's just that, that third spot that you're absolutely right about. Uh, and then the next battle that you brought up to me before we started was inside linebacker. So not so much the battles, but what they do at inside linebacker. Uh, and this has been an issue for the Broncos, and uh, you're, you don't have Brandon Marshall anymore, so you're not, you're not looking at him. But who are the guys that we're looking at uh, for that inside linebacker
1: position? I think as it stands now, the two starters will be Todd Davis and Josie Jewell. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) there's a third player who I think could stand and surprise people. And that's Justin Hollins. Ah. Because there is a lot of people who were excited about his draft pick in the fifth round out of Oregon. So that's someone that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's able to do because it seems to be a theme. He's another one of those guys who can be a hybrid, who can play inside but also be an outside, whether it's an edge or just a linebacker. He's able to do both. He's very versatile. I think that's one of the key things in a Vic Fangio defense is flexibility, and not necessarily how they how flexible in terms of their muscles and their stretching, but their flexibility and how and and where they can play on the field and how they can play on the field so maybe versatile is a better word
0: i like that versatility is is a good uh is a good word and it's it's something that if you have versatility you can be uh you can you can stick in a place if you're versatile right uh you know i think it's like that in every sport if you're good at a lot of different things uh, you can you can sort of find a, a place to stick on a on a roster um, you know, you get guys that are more specialists and you've got to fit into the system or you've got to be good at what you do or else you're expendable. A guy who can do multiple things is somebody who you, you're willing to keep around. Obviously, you don't want to have just a, an entire team full of jack-of-all-trades kind of players, but, you know, a guy like that who can who can sort of be moved around, like we've talked about with a few different players already, uh, you know, that that's somebody who can who can have an impact in a lot of different places? And I think that's a big deal. I think that's a that's a good thing to have. Um, what about the offensive line? We 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 have we've talked about the offensive line with Garrett Bowles, but we also have Dalton Reisner, who is the Broncos, uh, you know, second round draft pick, their first second round draft pick, right? That's, I guess that's the way to say that. What uh, what are we looking at with offensive line?
1: I'm actually excited about the offensive line because of the additions. I I like Dalton Reisner at left, left guard. I like Juwan James at right tackle. I like Ronald Leary going back to right guard, which seems to be his more natural position than playing on the left.
0: As long as he's healthy.
1: as, As long as he stays healthy. I'm excited about Connor McGovern at center. And I, and I totally get that. There's going to be a focus on the center position because you didn't bring back Matt Paradis. I think Connor McGovern is the type of player who can step up and limit the damage or the the loss of Matt Paradis. But the biggest question, and we said this at the top of the podcast, is Garrett Bowles. What is he going to look like and what is he going to be able to show – now that he has the best offensive line coach in the NFL in Munchak and the addition of Chris Cooper as uh, the assistant offensive line coach what what is he going to be able to show and is he going to be able to get better well because where he's, he's been the last couple of years has not been good enough
0: no and he's seemingly been surrounded with guys who who can who can perform right he's he's for lack of a better term, and I hate to say this because you do have a guy who's probably going to be a, a rookie starting on the offensive line, but it seems like Garrett Bowles is going to continue to be the weak link on the offensive line, and uh, that's a problem. If your left tackle is your weak link, yikes. So uh, that that could be an issue. And, and I, like we talked about in my little rant to start the show, that's probably where my fear comes in, right, as a fan, where – you look at him and, and he might get just a little bit better and then they buy into a guy who he's a little older because he was older when he got drafted and maybe he's not as good and you know there's there's some things there that that are a little bit scary when it comes to Garrett Bowles and and the offensive line is one of the it let's let's just face it aside from quarterback offensive line is the most important position on the football field for the offense because you got to stop the guys up front and if, if Garrett Bowles turns into a turnstile or he just turns into a grab machine, that's that's going to be a problem for the entire year. And it's not going to matter what, what Joe Flacco could or, or couldn't do because he's going to be running for his life. And he's a bit of a statue, and that's probably not a good thing. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business
1: sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want
0: to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so
1: many more doors the show is called the The Deal. deal
0: listen to the deal
1: listen to the deal on spotify that gets into another key question for training camp and what What rookie are you most excited to hear about over the course of the first two weeks leading up to the Hall of Fame game against the Falcons?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, the typical first and second round pick, right? I'm looking at, I want to hear about Noah Fant being what Noah Fant has been sold as, which is a really, really good tight end, and somebody who's going to make Joe Flacco better. So I'm excited about hearing News of Noah Fant making catches and and having an impact during practice and that kind of thing, and then also Dalton Reisner. I'm I'm excited about uh, this you know Colorado kid, and I know I'm going to get killed by Scotty for talking about him being from Colorado, but uh, that is a cool thing for us. Obviously, uh, Colorado kid who who gets to play on his favorite team and um, play on play a position that is incredibly important to the success of the team, and so I I want to uh, I want to hear about those two guys being successful and having good camps and, and making good plays. And the, you know, I know it's the, the cliche cop out first two draft picks, but let's face it. They were the first two draft picks for a reason. They were the guys that were the most valued by the Broncos uh, in the positions that they were picking. And then I suppose, you know, drew lock or whatever, cause he's also a second round pick, but like I don't even want to think about
1: quarterbacks. Like that's
0: kind of, please don't make me think about quarterbacks for a while.
1: I'll add another one, and that's Justin Hollins. Yeah, because I I think he really he has the potential to be an impact player in this defense, because I think he has that kind of versatility and athletic ability, and with the coaching of Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and all the other defensive coaches, he's gonna he's gonna be put in a situation where he can have success. And I think they're going to try to put him in a situation to do that because that's what Fangio does.
0: Yeah, I think that's legitimate. You know, the other guy that we haven't talked about, but he was the Broncos' third-round pick, and I remember when we talked to to Trevor uh, Sekima from uh, you know from Draft Network LLC, um, he talked about the Broncos getting four top fifty players in the first seventy picks or seventy-one picks, and Draymond Jones who is a defensive lineman out of Ohio State, was a guy who uh, he was pretty high on as well. We haven't talked about him because I guess we just haven't chosen to talk about him yet, but that's another rookie that could have an impact. And defensive line is a place where uh, if he can get into the rotation, he can he can also have an impact on the team and, and, and play well. I don't know enough about him, but I guess maybe that's where there's more of a curiosity with him than there is an excitement. I'd like to... Um, I'd like to see where he uh, fits in, and if he's gonna gonna be a player who can get into that defensive line rotation, uh, and and really you know sort of live up to that top fifty billing uh, of players in that 2019 draft.
1: That's one of the key things that I'm going to be looking at is what is the depth going to look like for the offensive line and defensive line, and what's gonna what's the rotation going to look like for those two positional units. Because a, the defensive line has the potential to be huge in a defense. Just look at what happened in 2015 when you had Malik Jackson in the middle of the defensive line along with Derek Wolf on the edge. If you have an interior pass rush when you have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, it makes it that much more difficult to block them when you get the interior pass rush. So you obviously have Shelby Harris, Adam Gatsas, Derek Wolf, Derek Wolf. What is Draymond Jones going to be able to do and how is he going to look as a rookie? I don't think there's going to be the pressure on him to start. I agree. But I think he's going to be put in a situation where he's going to be able to to show what he can do because that's, the benefit of having coaches. And I think that's the biggest difference between the last two seasons, especially and now this season, is the level of coaching that the Broncos are going to be able to get now and have been getting over the course of OTAs and minicamp. We've been talking about ad nauseum the last two years, and even with Kubiak, about having a system that fits to your players instead of expecting the players to fit your system. And that's finally going to be the case now with Vic Fangio and this coaching staff. They're going to use players to their strengths instead of forcing them to have strengths and do things that that's not what they do. Right. No, I and you're right. We have been talking about that since uh two
0: thousand the 2016 season with this you know, sort of, sort of forcing a square peg into a round hole, or whatever the saying might be there. And so, uh, it's it feels like, at, at least at this point, I'm not I'm not saying it feels like a Super Bowl run. I'm not saying that this team feels like they're going to be great. Uh, and again, kind of going back to my rant at the beginning, there is some trepidation there about you know the Broncos finding themselves in sort of that middling, like you know, plodding along and constantly being in, in the middle class of the NFL. Uh, but there's a stepping stone here right it looks like they're stepping up it looks like they're moving forward uh, and it, it's nice to sort of feel like as a fan things are getting better now obviously we won't know anything until actual football is being played but there's some there's some positivity there right even even my paranoia cannot be cannot be uh, you know, cannot be uh, put to the back seat here. I mean, or, or how am I trying to say that? Even I feel like there's some positivity there and I'm a paranoid
1: fan sometimes. I think there's also excitement. I think as we mentioned on the last podcast, there is excitement about the direction this team is heading minus your illogical rant at the top of the podcast. There is excitement about where the team is heading. Because you get the sense that they, as I mentioned, that they finally have the coaching. They finally have that piece in place that is so important and was so severely lacking the last two years.
0: It was such an illogical rant.
1: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.